Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Carla Bozulich is a tremendously vital and hard-working artist currently based in Los Angeles, California. Breaking through in the band The Geraldine Fibbers, Carla has collaborated with many musicians from around the world and has a particular affinity for Montreal artists who helped propel the Constellation Records label. She has released a number of stunning records with Constellation in her group Evangelista and also lately under her own name. Her new album is called Quieter, which compiles previously unreleased material that Carla has made over the years with a range of collaborators, including Mark Rabot, Sarah Lipstate, John Ekenseer, Shazad Ismaili, and Freddie Rupert, among others. Carla and I reconnected recently to catch up on her life and times, and unsurprisingly, she used this platform to deal more with the precarious state of the world and the divided states of America— We talked more about stuff like that than we talked about her own work. She did not really want to promote her own work, which in itself provides a fascinating insight into her perspective as both an uncompromising artist and an uncompromising human being. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and of course, listeners like you who make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control, download episodes, subscribe to this show, ask your friends to subscribe to this show, this is the 418th episode of Creative Control, featuring the great Carla Bozulich with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Carla. How are you? I'm excellent. <laughs> it's nice to speak with you again. And, and finally, we've been trying to connect 
for some time, but it's very nice to speak with you. Where in the world are you today? I'm in uh, the northeast side of Los Angeles, and uh, I guess I specify that because it's sort of, well, it's the best part of Los Angeles, and um, I'm I'm kind of in between a park and a and a my my I'm I'm where I'm living, which is cool because I didn't really have I couldn't have said that um, a year ago for since 2006. So I'm living here, and I am. Um, there's a big park on one side called Deb's Park. It's huge, and then on the other side, there's a wilderness up a tr- up a hill with beautiful trees. So great, and then it's like 15 minutes to like the places we'll go to, you know, play cool shows and stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so you say this is the first time you've been able to say that you live in a place since 2006 you've been rather nomadic i would say more than rather yeah i i've been 100 percent nomadic uh since 2006 when i realized that i couldn't support my music habit and a permanent residence at the same time hmm. and so I, I chose the music habit and started to at that time i i could rent out a room so i i had that as an in, part of my income and I couldn't really pass that up. So I just rented out my room and then, um, then I didn't even have that room anymore. So I just didn't get another room. I just started to step. <laughs> I, I didn't have anywhere. I got really used to not having a place during that span of time. So I just stayed with it for a long time. And it was, a, it was sort of a up and down, of course, experience, but, um, I miss it in some ways, you know, you, it's hard to get used to having a place once you really don't for more than a decade. It's like um, really weird to yeah. have a place. And it's great, of course. Like I'm I'm looking at all my clothes right now, for example. They're hanging up and I haven't seen that, you know, in so long and things like that. So, so you know, I, I have somehow avoided ever visiting Los Angeles. You say the northeastern part of Los Angeles is the best part of Los Angeles. What what distinguishes it as such? Well, that and I would say Pedro also, which is the southeast, southeast east. What distinguishes it? Well, everything. I mean, it's um, it's it's changing now. Like like for example, the Mile End area. Let's say ten years ago, you would say, you know, maybe for an English speaking artistic person, that would be you know, in the top choices of places to go or to live or whatever, if somebody was asking. I know it's gentrifying now, and it's the same here. Mm-hmm. So this part of town what, that I'm talking about is slowly turning into a um, nightmare, but it hasn't, it's going to take a long time because over here, this area is so predominantly Latino that it would take another 10 or 15 years, even with Trump in office, to um, completely change the feel of it. But being in uh, an area that is dominated by Latino culture is a real gift because um, it's so much more colorful and fun. And I think that you can go, like, I don't speak uh, Spanish at all fluently, but you can go for years having the benefit of living in such a cooler place with just so much more more 
interesting influences and thrift stores and places where you can get your oil changed and just like that have like giant gold lions on the top, <laughs> you know, like, and, and like Aztec um, pyramids painted on, you know, where they don't want to have graffiti that they, they paint like their own murals that, that they try to outcool the graffiti so that people won't tag. They'll just be like, okay, that's, that's just so much better than my tag. I'm going to just leave it alone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, for me, I, I've always lived in the northeast area, and it's very big. So it's much bigger than, for example, the Mile End. Mile End is tight. To say the northeast of, of L.A. is like, I, I don't know what you would compare it with, but it's a, it's a huge, huge, that's, you'd have to get more specific. So for where I am, I'm in Highland Park. Right, okay. But, We've heard a lot about know, Highland Park in recent years. Is that right? Well, there's a couple of things I know. For okay, for me personally, do you ever go to the uh, the donut store that uh, the, the donut re- the, what's it called? I've... And yeah, I consider that to be donut enemy, pretty much. But yeah, I know what it is. You don't I... li- you don't like donut friend? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> donut friend is, like, is a is a is an example of the demise of this area. Like very very clearly. Fascinating. Okay, so one of the people that started Donut Friend is Mark Trombino, uh, who is a, do you know him? He's a musician. No. He was in a band called Drive Like Jehu. Do you remember them? Uh, I do, yeah. So he's the drummer in Drive Like Jehu, which they kind of reformed relatively they recently. They reformed a San Diego band, yeah. Yes, that's right. And he moved to Highland Park and and started this Donut Friend place. With, with the... Yeah, it does well. You see actually a line outside of it sometimes of people... <laughs> But no, I mean, to go into a donut shop and pay like $2.50 for a donut that's like peanut butter and liverwurst flavored, (laughs) you know, I mean, and like 4,000 calories is is really not my, and honestly, if it tasted good, maybe I'd go for it, but no. So you've had, have you had it? Of course. Right. And you're just like, what the hell? This is not good. Yeah, I mean, and it's not, it's it's just, the thing about it is that people like your friend are obviously wise to come here to live, and if they can start a business, they're, they're you know, really, that's really smart, because this, it, it's hard to, you know, gentrification is so complicated, it's like, people come for a reason, and especially artists, and if you have any way to invest you're gonna want to do that because you know that your friends are all coming there and other people like-minded people or or similarly minded people yeah so so you you know you're it's it's natural to start a a business like that and if you can get people to come in and buy two dollar and fifty cent donuts then you know hats off to you but the, the problem is that what was probably there before was like a, a cobbler that was there for like 65 years you know right um, you know fixing shoes and never had to learn english and you know just it's not the same as being in like quebec and not learning french right i mean i don't know like i said i don't know spanish fluently at all but here spanish is not the same as french like Me- mexico is much different than it mexico's <laughs> i mean it's so goofy and so 
dangerous and so awesome and beautiful and colorful and ridiculous and and just party party music and and you know laid back and scary and you know open just deserty and the climate everything you know it's just like such a different thing to to have a culture born out of or influenced by so I don't know, like the gentrification thing here to have it coming from a place of it's so extreme to take like people like, you know, doing like grad school and, and like wearing like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to judge. No judging. <laughs> it's just it's it's just really like it, it's a really heavy, heavy, heavy um it's like a, a brutal attack on the on the culture here, which has been, as in most gentrification situations, the these these parts of the east side of LA and the south side are places where people have been pushed to because in the previous times, including downtown LA, which now you can't even like smell without spending like four thousand hmm. um, dollars. But I mean, I used to live down there in a 3000 square foot loft and I paid like $400 a month and it had like 18, 12 foot windows on the sixth floor. And wow. it was, you know, it was an, an incredible thing and it was really dangerous and there was only the Latino culture had taken over everything. So it was like these incredible deco buildings and that used to be where you know and these theaters that were just mind-blowing and they were they had all turned into like latino evangelist churches and stuff like really huge but these theaters that were like the mayan and the and the you know like all these thematic amazing theaters that were the first theaters in la and every every all the rich people lived down there and then they started moving west because they were like ocean or whatever yeah and um so they split like completely from the east side. They just every I'm generalizing, but people moved west and the people with money, you know, they they moved west and slowly, I guess, people just occupied the territory that they could afford and made it a whole really different city. So over here it's just a gift to be able to avoid all of that. Like I never, ever, ever, ever go to the West side. Never. Right. I just, I, if there's any way to find an excuse, except to go to the museum of Jurassic technology, I never, ever go unless I'm just passing through, like trying to get to big Sur. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I, I understand your position. I understand where you're coming from with it. Uh, the only thing I will say beyond uh, the donut friend place about Highland Park is, are you familiar with Mark Marin? No, but okay. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of out of, I'm really, I haven't even been in the United States very much of the last, like, long, long, long time. Oh, no, so. it's, it's nothing to, to worry about, but he's also, he used to, he's a podcaster, he has a, com, he's a comedian, and he's a podcaster, and he has a podcast called WTF, and he has lots of, like, you know, the president of the United States, Barack Obama, sat in his garage in Highland Park for an interview. So he's, he's just kind of a... Highland Park has just suddenly become this thing that we're all aware of. So it's fascinating. Oh, that's weird. Like, I, I would never know that. I mean, I, I would never have known that. But in a way, that's what I'm trying to say is like, that's 
Like if people started talking to me about Mile End here all the time, I'd be like, oh shit. Sorry guys. Sorry all my friends over there in Montreal. You know. Yeah. It's it's not bad that you know of Highland Park, of course, but you wouldn't I mean, nobody would have it wouldn't have been any of course it would never have been international um internationally known like even like three or four years ago it's definitely something that has i guess it's kind of blown up but it's still totally i i really do feel it would take a long time to totally fuck it up it's really not mm-hmm. it's really so ingrained like the latino culture is so ingrained and i think a lot of people what's happening is that people um bought their property here because they could buy it for almost nothing So these businesses like that cobbler that I mentioned, I'm not sure there was a cobbler there, by the way. I'm just, I was just sort of sure. No, I understand. Making an example, but businesses like that and people that I actually that I know who have had businesses, you know, for like I've been I've been patronizing certain businesses for like 30 years or something, like my favorite Mexican restaurant, etc. And I'm I know they're I've watched their whole families grow up and you know go to college and everything. You know, but they own their restaurant, and when they go in there, the last few times I've gone in there, they're like, "Yeah, we're trying not to sell. We're just trying. We're trying to keep our, you know, our con- conviction about like how much we love our our restaurant. But they're just offering so much money that that you should probably like, you know, get your favorite huevos rancheros now because when you come back from your next tour, right? This could be this could be like a you know." a uh, macrame ice cream um like you know ice cream cone and cat store you know yeah th- those are common now the macrame cat store ice cream hybrid yeah. I, they're, they're yeah. popping up all over the place they're coming coming to <laughs> <laughs> that is I the <laughs> I, that should be my next uh, my, actually what now that i'm really really feeling the burn of of um you know the the whole decisions i've made for to stay with music all these years even though there's really no money in it it's kind of maybe i should just admit that it's time to go for the macrame and the macrame ice cream cone and cat store well i think of you as a trendsetter so i would not be surprised <laughs> if you were able to make some hay with that idea somehow <laughs> Nice, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I, I I'll take that encouragement, and maybe I'll you know maybe I'll work with it. <laughs> now you... I've actually that as an example so many times that it's almost getting tired. Like I, I I often equate, you know, jokingly equate various like macrame like yeah, it's a mac it's a it's a hamburger stand, but all the hamburgers are macrame <laughs> like you, know, you can get anything you want on your hamburger but it will be macrame yeah you know, like, yeah no i i i macrame is is just outdated enough want, that some people may not even get it right now admit it it's what you want for dinner now i want a macrame burger you're absolutely right <laughs> or like a macrame and cheese just confuse things a little bit yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah. you want to put like cheese on your macrame. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Just like throw a little bit of 
bit of mouse food on there. <laughs> just put your macrame hamburger in a mouse trap, like if you have a problem with rats or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm sure they would go for it. They they like stuff like that. That's that's an interesting demographic to to cater to. Yeah, or like Kentucky Fried Carla or something, KFC. <laughs> Now you're talking about your your life as a musician, and that brings us to this record on some level. The new record is is quieter. It is a in a, in a way is it fair to call it a a kind of compilation? It seems to be a reflection of various points in your life and various collaborators in your life and and things that you've revisited uh, from your archives. Is that is that a, a nice summation of it? I wouldn't say it's a summation of it, but it's true. <laughs> no, oh, sorry, I meant is my is my summation of of the record correct? Is all I yeah, meant there. It's a it's an excellent um, example of what you'll find uh, in terms of you know who who's on this record when you know what's the connection and it's kind of like that is true. You know, it's like things that I um, that I always felt. I mean, so, sometimes things that are more subtle on my records don't make it to my records because I think that in general, actually in, in a lot of people's work, not everyone, of course, because there's some people that'll just play like one, like shortwave tone for 40 minutes and that's their record. But mm -hmm. um, people like me are often kind of, how do I say it? Cause I don't want to say encouraged, but like, a lot of my stuff is more sort of extreme or like hits you in the face. So if I, the work that I do that is more subtle or soft or um, vulnerable sometimes doesn't make the albums, even if it's really strong. For example, Let It Roll um, is, an, is a song I made for during the boy era. And it's, I think it's one of the best pieces I've ever been a part of, but it just didn't make the album because it wasn't, um, I don't know, it just didn't match the energy of it. Like the album was, was a higher energy album than that. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that just got held off for another time. And this became perfect, the perfect time because it is quieter. It just never, nothing, if you, I guess what the difference, it's kind of more the difference than the similarities is what you'll notice is that nothing on the album ever screams yeah. like there's no, yeah. there, I ever scream i never really raise even raise my voice except for on the song emilia i do like a sort of like a eight second choir piece and even that is not loud but it's like a lot of voices and I, i'm not screaming but it's a lot of voices so there's never an instrument that screams. There's never a voice that screams. There's never a symbol. Nothing ever screams on it. It's so it's like that right there separates it from every album I've ever made. You know, there's never been an album where nothing screams. It just, you know, so um, I would say that that's the commonality in the, in the largest sense. Um, and for me, there, there are so many, reasons that the album came to be and one of them is that I wanted to make a tribute to this didn't really come across like I, I was in a very I was I was kind of in a splintered state when I was putting the album together in in the in the end hmm. and putting together liner notes and things like that 
And I meant to make a very large point of actual state or, or what, what a lot of like real like lifer kind of musicians and artists, not just musicians, but artists um, and just people in general, like going to work, you know, you go to work. A lot of people just have to, for example, my husband, you know, he has a, a job where he's in, in, you know, he's serving food and stuff. You can't be like in a bad mood, like talking about everything on your body that hurts and, and not just, you, you have to show up, you know what I mean? Like, that. yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same for everyone pretty much. Like if you call in sick, it has to pretty much be an emergency. And so getting back a little more specifically to what I, what I'm talking about, because my, my job is being an artist, um, whether it pays or not is that um, I, I've kind of over the years, you know, I, I know that when, for example, people go to a concert and they're watching somebody that's, that's been on tour um, for already for like, you know, seven weeks or, or they're even their first show maybe, mm-hmm. they're not seeing really what, unless somebody has like, you know, a... Um, a cast or something like an apparatus, or a, yeah, like or like a a, a job um, apparatus or something. You know, you don't realize what's happening, actually happening inside that person when they're throwing down what you take away. Mm-hmm. You know, which is which is the the beauty of it in a way that like you you can give the whatever it is you can even you can even say like i mean i did a show one time right before i came to montreal to record prince of truth and i was just like it was such a gnarly tour before that that by the time i got to the last show which was in um bilbao i had pneumonia so badly that um i couldn't even really speak like I, I couldn't speak with a tone in my voice mm. and and so I couldn't sing I mean it was absolutely impossible but I got on stage and I I said to the audience you know okay well I can't sing the way I normally do but we're gonna do the show anyway and just try to imagine if there was notes <laughs> wow you know and the audience was like yeah do it you know and and so we did it and you know, there's been and there's been times where like, you know, I'll be sitting down. I mean, one time, only one time in my life did I sit on a chair during a concert. This is out of like 3000 concerts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in Wichita or something and people were like, ah, I didn't know she, you know, she sat down during like a, this is Geraldine Fibbers. I didn't know she sat down during like her rock shows. That's really interesting. But, you know, in in actuality, the drummer, you know, carried me to the stage and off the stage because I had such a bad sprained ankle that I couldn't walk at all. Like I really couldn't walk. So Hmm. I did the gig sitting down and, um, you know, it's just, you don't necessarily realize what's happening. Like you don't know, maybe it's possible that the band drove 14 hours, um, to get like passed through three countries to make it to that gig, not in a tour van, not in a tour bus. I mean, like in a van, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't mean like where you get your own bunk or something. And then like, um, you know, and 
And then I had to make sound check by three, you know, because they're the headliner. And then, you know, they and then the, the food and, you know, you send them what you eat and it's all like the foods you don't you can't or don't eat. And like a bunch of wine, which I don't drink, you know, and mm-hmm. haven't for, for more than half of my life. And um, that's just sometimes how it is. And then you then you're watching the people doing the gig, you know, and maybe like they haven't been able to wash their clothes for four weeks or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not saying like feel bad for people. I'm just saying it was in a way a tribute to the musicians, like not in some time in in many albums and many of even of the songs, because they're all done at different times. They they are like, you know, messages to the listeners or or reaching out to. But it was as a whole kind of a tribute to touring musicians right. who who play no matter what like i've canceled so few shows in my life and i did cancel one tour once because i was so ill but i mean i i've done like whole tours with tendonitis in both hands and only able to play with one finger on one hand on each hand and i just learned a whole new way to play guitar because i was the only guitarist and it had to be done yeah you know and and I'm not, I swear to God, these are like some of the best times of my life. I'm not saying that I feel bad for myself, but it is, it's just interesting what you're really watching. Like one, one time uh, we were on tour, Evangelista was on tour and Tara, when we got to Paris, Tara was like, man, this, she had to, she shaved her underarms like for the first time in like 10 years. Cause she did some photo shoot or something uh-huh. that where they wanted her to do that. And she got an infection or something, or like a fungus. I don't know what the hell it was. And so she, we get we get into Paris, and she she's like, I can't. I really have to go to the doctor. I, this can't. This is so disgusting. So she goes to the doctor, and the doctor gives her like a salve or something to put on this whatever's in her underarm, right. and it's called and it's called try this on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was called for real? Come on. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the French name for the medicine. It's called try this on it. Oh, I don't so know what it's try this on it. That's amazing. Wow. No, I mean, for us, that's, you know, in, in America, that's, that means, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, this is a word here. Yes. And, and, yes. and it has more than one meaning, but in that, in that sense, it would be this, right? So, but it's funny that it's this. If it's funny, it's even funnier because that means it's like somebody that has a, a particular vernacular. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, so she, she's on stage and you're not thinking like her, oh God, her armpit must be just really itching and burning right now, like for the last 15 gigs, you know, <laughs> like, but she's just playing, you know, so it's, I, I don't know. I just started reflecting on that because I couldn't tour for a while. And so I was... And I was quieter and I needed quieter time. I just like, I just really needed to make tour less of the priority of my life and try to, try to, I had an opportunity to live somewhere and I got married and like just things really changed. And it's not that I chilled out mentally um, in terms of, or I shouldn't, I guess ethically is more what I mean. I'm still really hardcore in terms of my, um, politics and and just my social belief i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know all the words for that stuff i just know that 
I just think everyone should fuck off. But anyway, <laughs> joking. But um, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't sure how to take that. I mean, I feel that way a lot these days myself. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's crazy time. There's a grain but, of truth in that for sure. Yeah, and it's a crazy time to move back to the United States for me. Obviously, too, it, it all correlated with this Trump thing. I have really specific beliefs about that. Like, I think that this is more of a a reflection, nothing really to do with him. He's like just a distraction while the um, corporate elite just really seal the deal yeah. of like who owns the world and is trying to own the, um, you know, is moving now onto the galaxy, you know? Yeah. Like they're yeah. Just moving on while, while Trump has like a, you know, he's just distracting everybody every day. I don't think we have a president of the United States. I don't even think we have a United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the term itself, united, I'm not seeing that here, you know. Yeah. So um, I am seeing states, however. <laughs> states of panic, states of anxiety, states of anger. <laughs> Pretty much any way that you could use the word, yeah. Um, yeah. States of distraction is really the biggest thing that I see in in the United States. And also the influence of the United States on the world makes it so that that is an infectious disease. And it's like like a lot of things from here. And so like we're legalizing marijuana, for example, and, and we're just like, you know, the whole tech like phone, blah, 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 blah. It's just all being made more and more available to people to just not think about it. Like, just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Don't think about Syria. Don't think about Palestine. Don't think about like, you know, just don't think about it. Don't think about the fact that we, you know, gave three million, three billion dollars of, of to, to Israel, like, you know, eight months ago or something. Right. You know, I mean, just don't think about it, don't, you know, don't think about the Turkish crazy ass fucking freako, you know, president dude or whatever they have over there. Don't think about it. Yeah. You know? um, but you're thinking about it. Has this, has this influenced any songwriting you've done recently? Well, the thing is that I've always thought about it and that's kind of like my problem personally in my life and, and for people that, you know, obviously my, my art and my work is of acquired taste or a, you know, only for certain people that really want to go there. And for, for them, maybe it's something that, you know, they came upon when they found me or they think I came upon, but I, I was born this way. <laughs> right. You know, like I was, I was asking my mom, you know, when I was a baby like she she came in and she's like say your prayer you know even though we weren't really religious but she was like say your prayer and I was like now I lay me down to sleep blah 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 and then I and then I was like but really though mom like what if if Jesus is so great like why are why is everybody killing each other and you know like why what's this what's up with like you know why did why did that why did Martin Luther King get get shot and assassinated you know like a, like that and and you know my mom was my my family my parents were progressive and you know they tried to talk to me about stuff and you know when I started having major major reactions to things 
uh, my mom just like piled a bunch of books on existentialism like onto my bed. And my, my aunt Linda gave me like Sylvia Plath. And you know, I was, you know, these things are not necessarily helpful to a like 12 year old um, suicidal child, but hmm. you know, I mean, I've always been a person that I have that streak of weird, like overdeveloped compassion. And I have worked many times, like just specifically on trying to kill that so that I could survive. So that's kind of a weird part of me where that's, that's just in my history of periods of times where I've tried to stop making excuses for people, stop, um, understanding why they did what they did. Uh, and not just, you know, to me, I mean, like in general, I, also, let's say. And um, I think some people are just like that. And then there are other people who just from the very gate, they're like, you know, if you, if you do something like that, you are, you're X'd out forever, you know, and I, I have that too, but I have this tendency to have to like have the talk with myself where I'm like, no, don't, don't give them another chance. Like you already did that a bunch of times. And it's, it's kind of like that in a way with a lot of the political stuff and a lot of the, I just feel like there's so much more and more and more. It's, it's like the, the scam that's being pulled on people. First of all, I don't think it can hold up. It's like a pyramid scheme where people are um, just being like worked to death and then distracted the rest of the time from thinking about, you know, what's happening even just to them in the larger picture or, or what part we play, you know, what, what is our role on the chessboard? You know, who, what, what are we, you know, and cause you can't really play a game of chess without the pawns. Right. Like, right. I mean, it's not chess anymore and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So the thing about it is that I, I am obsessed with this sort of thing and it never leaves my mind. And also the fact that I can't really express it in my art drives me crazy. And it, 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 it's one of the few things that I am disappointed in myself because I can't, my work, I can only sort of, reach a level of I can go to anger of course very easily because I have tons and tons of it but I cannot articulate the way that you know somebody like you know Ian Spinonius or somebody can you know where mm -hmm. especially I, I really love a person like that who can do it with with humor and so much you know with a thing that, that, that people want to listen to because it's not just, you know, it's not just brutal. It's He's stylized his outrage. Yes, in a way that is so, it's, you, you want, you know, you don't want to miss it. I, you don't want to miss anything he says or does because it's, it's fascinating when it's fun and it's fascinating when it's, when he's teaching you something and a lot of times you realize that that's, what's happening the whole time. You know, it's like the same thing with like Ian McKay or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like hitting Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah, they but, all uh, mean a lot to me as well. Ian McKay and, and Ian Sinonius are... Have you read Ian Sinonius's books? I presume you have. I have. I don't, you know, I've, I've just... 
I'm not like, you know, a big, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Especially, I mean, it's just, it's something more that, um, like I said, in my own art, for example, it's not so much that I'm able to make a statement that, that I can talk about it pretty well. I mean, I wish I was better educated and like really educated. And actually, I feel like even if I was on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The level of like a Noam Chomsky or something even if I was that high in the level of like, you know, being, being a scholar on these subjects, I still wouldn't know what was really happening because we don't know. It's so far, it's so deep and so far down and so ingrained in the people. We don't even know the people's names who were, who are really, really running the show. And I'm positive we don't have a president right now. I know for a fact that this, that he's not even a puppet. He's just, we, we don't even need to pretend we have a puppet now. Like, they're, they're f- so far along in this game that it's, you can't even call him a puppet. It's just there is no president. There's right. just this. He's like a reality TV star, and he, he has never been anything more than that, except for the fact that he's been given the controls to do major, major, major damage to l- massive populations, including our the quote unquote, our own, as I said, the, you know, United is, is a farce, but including the United States, but, um, you know, he has the power to do that because people really, I think that the people that are really benefiting by whatever, whatever games going on, you know, expendable is probably the number one strategy of, of like figuring out what to do where, like, you know, who is expendable? You know what I mean? Like just the way that we've, the the positions we've taken with like Iran and North Korea and like, you know, the fact that we're, I mean, it's just also ridiculous that I don't know who's making those choices of like how, how to act towards Putin and how to act. Like, I'm not sure if it really is Trump that's just having a whim. I don't know if anybody cares. I don't, I'm not sure, you know, as long as as whoever it is thinks that they're making money when they're trading or selling weapons or trying to control, like, just make sure that, you know, some missile drops in one place, but not another. And and then they'll be like, oh, they blew up a wedding. Hmm, aha, well, you know, right. 
And because it's just not important. Like, as long as they can cover that up by, like, a prostitute had, you know, f- fucked the, you know, the the president or whatever the next day, you know, they find out, you know, that there's, like, this huge, really important thing. And then the next day there's, like, a sex scandal. It's just, like, and then people are actually literally, the, in the news, like, if you watch the news, the 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 previous days like really huge thing is gone it's not even mentioned you know it's just it's literally the sex scandal like if anybody could give a crap it's just so weird you know well it's a confusing thing for some of us because we're being distracted by decorum like by the by the notion that there should be decorum and yes you're right the the notion of because that's that gets to our core. That gets to like human decency is not is something we all that that's what we strive for, and it's just being destroyed before our eyes. But I think you're right. I think there's a nefarious sort of motivation for choosing that and choosing this guy as their avatar, uh, or rather as a way to distract us. Uh, I think you're right. Right, and our system over here is completely broken like the people do not choose the president the the people like that what i mean is like when i say the people i mean the population of i think there's like 14 billion people in in the u.s something like that um we don't choose the president you know it's it's not us it's 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 this i mean obviously it's it's so many there are so many aspects that make it impossible for us to choose you know, even just lobbyists, which is right out in the open, like that's not even a hidden agenda. That's just right in the open. Like you can yeah. buy politicians. So it's totally legal. You can buy a politician, you know, and and um, and it's it's commonly done. And then, you know, campaign contributions, it's it has everything to do with who's elected and we don't have controls over that. And, you know, it's just. You can lie about your opponent blatantly, and it's just totally legal. Like you can do that right. in in as big of a you can you can reach as far as as your campaign you know funds can reach with as big of lies as you want, and it's totally legal. So you can there's so many ways to fake an, uh, the or to trick people into, you know, voting one way or another, or, and I'm sure there's ways to even, of course, mess with the ballots, but that, I don't know if you even need to do that because there's just so many ways to make it so that we can't make informed decisions. Mm. I mean, like I went to vote recently and, you know, there's, it's like the interim elections. And, and so there's, there's the people that are more sort of like, higher positions like Kamala Harris is is a really well-known progressive politician who's running for Senate. And I think, I mean, I'm really, really kind of not that smart on all this stuff, but I, I you know, I try my best. But anyway, so I know that Kamala's like, you know, she sends me, she sends me email like every day. (laughs) Right. Anyway, but um, she's, she's, pretty rad so you know like yeah that's the hole i punch on her but then there's like 20 judges and prosecutors and district attorneys and all these people so if you read or like sheriffs and stuff seriously right and so if you read 
if you try to figure out who to vote for, and you literally have a, like a thing to punch a hole and choose these people, but if you try to read their platforms, they're all the same. Right. You don't know the people. It always says, for example, for a district attorney, it always says, you know, in in their because they have to say their platform, but their platforms are all the same. You don't. It doesn't say are they a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or a Green or whatever. They it's it doesn't they can't claim that or they don't you know they don't that's not part of it so you can't just be like oh I'll vote for the the and they and you and you don't know like I mean you have to look at a picture to figure out if they're Afri- usually if I can't figure out anything then I'll just try to find the one that's like African American or just like not a white dude right just like, <laughs> right you know like it seems like a good that's call like the, yeah the final, final solution is if I cannot figure out but but at the um. The thing is that if you're trying to pick like a district attorney there and you read about them. So like the last time I voted, I sat there at the voting booth for like four hours Googling on my phone every single one of these people that I had never even heard of. And I didn't even know that I was going to be voting for district attorneys or anything because I wasn't informed. So I was just there Googling every single one of them and trying to read between the lines because they all say the same thing. They're all like... We need um, tougher laws on violent criminals and more um, careful, uh, you know, carefully monitored um, incarceration rules um, to make sure that we don't, you know, commit, you know, that so that we don't do incorrectly convict people and they're all saying the same thing like that you know we we're going to have safer streets and 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 they're so they're they're like speaking for both sides all the every single one of them but these people if you really really knew who they were you would know that that some of them are just like you're mexican you're guilty right but it doesn't say that when you google their thing you know like you have to you have to sit there googling for like 15 minutes to figure out that, you know, maybe somebody even like, you know, was convicted of, of, you know, running drugs or something. And they're, and they're just, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's all these people that are, that have like their own convictions and all this stuff and they're running for office and, you know, and, and people that have like such a high rate of, of, um, convictions that they're known for like the conviction king or whatever you know and you're and you're you know they're like one of the possibilities for the judge of of you know whatever district and right and um but you don't find that out unless you dig so deep and so i was standing there with i had borrowed the woman who'd like they check you in for voting and i didn't bring my glasses and I, she let me borrow her glasses so I could read my phone for four hours. <laughs> I was reading my phone. <laughs> I mean, I, so, I, I, pre- I appreciate what you're saying now about feeling a little, a little bit helpless in terms of the information that's available. Earlier, you were saying you felt a little like you couldn't quite articulate your thoughts about the world at the moment in song. But it, I mean, obviously, you've thought a lot about what's going on. Does it stand to reason that at some point you, you can feel that coming? Like you can feel that ability to articulate some of this in your work? Do you feel that's on the horizon? 
No. Still, still not. Like you're. Even, no, I, even... I could write about it. I could write about it for sure. I mean, I can write. I can write and write and write about it. I mean, if you went on my Facebook page right now, I posted something yesterday that made me unfriend so many people in like 15 minutes that and and that unfriended me that now I have like I I had that maximum number of friends and then it just dropped so far down like I posted I reposted something that Sam Shalabi had posted oh yeah Sam from Montreal yeah 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 and I just reposted it because I thought it was right on and what it is is that the Irish government voted to boycott goods coming into Ireland from Israel mm-hmm. because they they had decided that that Israel was basically um, committing apartheid and um, or institutionalizing apartheid right yeah and which is a super gnarly thing to do, a super gnarly position to take and like very, very bold. And, uh, and you know, obviously Ireland is not um, considered to be one of the superpowers or whatever. So it's not, it's, it, who knows how much of a, it's more of a statement than, than something that's going to crush, sure. yeah. <laughs> you know, the Israeli, um, you know, whatever they're, they're, thing but um and i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to crush in anybody's thing you know it's just like it's just a matter of having decency and 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 considering people or animals or, or anybody to be like i don't want i don't know how to say but like let's say stick to people so to consider people to be the same as you on a certain, on that basic level, like they are human beings, you know, like yeah, they deserve yeah. basic same things that, that every person needs. And, and also in, in our supposed, you know, civilized society, they deserve to have aspirations for even more, but the, but you know, the way that things are set up right now for a Palestinian to, to be like thinking, thinking big, so to speak is, you know, they're just thinking survival right now. They don't even have the option of thinking big unless it's some sort of major. I mean, you know, this is what put Hamas in the position that they're in is because that's the only kind of thinking big that seems like an option, in my opinion. Right. I don't understand. I really, really don't. Like, I'm not I'm not studied. I don't take a lot of time to study on this. I but that's my opinion is, is sort of like that, that militant kind of a, of a option is, I mean, it's really sad. It's just sad as hell. But anyway, I don't, I don't, I can't speak really intelligently on it, so I won't go further, but I just wish the thing would, would be more fair, you know, all over the place. And and it isn't going to be because it's all about money and it's about, there's not really the lines that we think there are on the map. Like the map is not exactly the way we think it is. Yeah. You know, I'm, we're looking at the map of the world and then we're looking like at the map of the, you know, the galaxy and all of it. It's just the lines are not where, where we think they are. It's, it has to do with just with like who's holding the money, you know, and it doesn't matter where they are. Right. Well, they, they are the lines. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, and I appreciate your thoughts on on this. So, if you don't think that you can articulate any of this into your work, what is next for you at this point? Like, do you have a plan for music or, or another work of some kind? I have aspirations that are really specific, and that I consider myself to be very lucky to be able to to go to aspire be, beyond what will I eat for my next meal and how, how will I get um, antibiotics if I have an infection, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, clean water. Uh, but so, yeah, I have huge aspirations and I kind of know how I want to, how I would like to live the entire rest of my life. I don't know, you know, bit by bit what will happen, but I know in a large picture what I want you know, and of course that could change. And then also there's like so much that I want to do and I'm 52. So who knows, you know, and also the way that I treated my body as a young lady was so harsh that I guess I could just drop dead right now and, and be like lucky to have lived this long, you know, hmm. but, um, but, uh, you know, I, I do. And, and for me, because I have always had exactly the same belief system that I'm talking to you about now. Um, I guess anybody who's really listening to me probably can hear it in what I'm saying. Although my messages are usually kind of personal, but like there's a song called bells ring fire on one of the albums. I think it's on the, uh, which <laughs> one of the constellation evangelista <laughs> record. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's, um, I wish I could just like tell you the whole lyrics right now, but it's, it's, it's just a song. I think it's one of the, my favorites and it's really just me and this cellist Francesco Guerri who plays on the new album on Emilia. And he's, he's my favorite cellist to play with. We really just jive on almost everything, like from everything from politics to like improvisation to the belief of instincts, putting instincts before um, education in terms of art, you know, and 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 the same thing with with financial gain, like putting art before financial gain, and um, you know, he that's manifested in different ways for us, but you know, like he has a day job that's a really, I think, a really great day job, you know, helping helping kids and stuff but hmm. but he still manages to be one of the most ruling artists that I know and so we wrote this thing together called Bells Ring Fire and it's and that was that's sort of like the closest I get to what all I'm talking about which is it's a it's just a guy I mean maybe we should play that that one at the end of your show because you said that we could play a song you know at the end but um, it's oh, yeah, you, you are? Okay, sure, yeah. It's not the best recording of that song. We are going to record it again because him and me are going to make a just a duo album of of um, me playing bass and I'll I'll sing and, and he, he'll play cello. And we've been planning that for years and I'm finally going to get to do that probably this year with him. So he's in Italy, so we'll do it in Italy. But um, that piece is about uh, a... The, this typical sort of story that that you hear now and then about somebody who's really quiet and kind of invisible in the office and you know he doesn't 
go out with everybody for drinks after work and nobody really, you know, he doesn't have, doesn't have a, any, you know, any special thing in his life and just one day he snaps and you realize a little bit too late that he's got a lot more going on in his head than, you know, you thought and that he's, anyway, so it's, so it's kind of like about the guy on the bus. I always say that when I'm about to sing it. I say this is about the guy on the bus that you don't notice. And, you know, he, he, it's called Bell's Ring Fire. So <laughs> he does what he does one day. He just snaps. And, um, and he's, you know, you realize kind of what his thoughts were or what, and that for me is political, but it's, it's, it's very hard to, to, I think, I think for a lot of people, you, you kind of have to listen really carefully and a lot of people are not word people. So, you know, they, they'll listen more to like the feeling of the sound of a voice or things like that. And a lot of times people will, will analyze my tunes or my, uh, you know, my, my sounds or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, they will call it, they'll, they'll analyze it and say what it's about. And I realized that they didn't listen to the words that they just took the overall feeling that they got from it, or they will read something into my lyrics that is, that are, is totally, <laughs> I didn't, that that's not what I intended. I don't really mind at all when people do that. I, I've even like lost a few fans that have come up to me and they've been like, why did you write that song, that pro Nazi song? And I was like, no, that was about a space spaceman. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, but, and, um, so, um, but I don't know. I have to say that for me, music and art. Yeah. Okay. They, they rule my, they rock my world. They rule my world. They save my life. All, all, all of that, you know, like for sure I'd be dead, all of it. But my, I don't consider even like my own life, let alone, you, you know, my benefits or my opinions about music and art to be anywhere touching the value of, or the importance of, for example, race relations. I would say racism is the biggest issue in the world. Yeah. And that with without me uh, being conscious of that, I would I would be I just I just wouldn't be me. Like there's there's no Carla without that at the basis of who I am and I I don't know if I'm articulating that or not, you know. Hmm. I just know that that's always how I felt. And, and it's like there's so many forms of discrimination and they all matter and they're all, you know, so horrific. But I find racism and classism to be the most insidious and racism is the most disgusting and intolerable and somehow ingrained. Like in the United States, it's considered really just it's it's been made to be. It's, it's been like we're born and bred to believe that each individual person is deciding their fate, you know, like, like, like it wasn't set up, you know, from, from the start of, you know, 
African people being brought here, you know, and and the fact that California, for example, used to be Mex- part of Mexico. Yeah. As as a, as a, I mean, you know, so was Texas. Like we took those places. Yeah. You know, and and, and now we're trying to you know deport people, and it's just it's just so insane the whole thing, and 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 you know, so we, but we are taught to like if if there's a a family who's you know got nine people living in one room and their children can't get school books let alone computers and la 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 it's we are born and bred to believe that that is their individual state and not the state of our um decision making as as a as a the uh, of the elite in our country and the way we set it up i mean look who set up our country not that i'm not bagging on thomas jefferson particularly or george washington or whoever but you know but i mean these are just like rich white dudes like, yeah yeah they don't they don't get it and they don't they they don't i don't think that it's pretty fairly obvious that for example indigenous people in many many countries are not considered to be of equal humanness like how how would you even put that word like yeah like the same the same species yeah as the the people that just like walk in and fuck the whole thing up you know and all right i know you want to stop talking about this and you want to start talking about art and music right no i think uh, these are important conversations to have and i appreciate that you are articulating yourself now because i hope that this will work its way into your own art as well me too. Me too. You know, I mean, I try and I write stuff and then I'm like, I, I try not to really put things out there that I think are are not well done. And I that's what happens every time I try to write music or do a piece like a performance piece on these subjects. It, I just I can't say that it's my best stuff. And I, I just it's very hard, but I can write about it. So maybe I'll do that. You know? Yeah, I think in my should. writing, yeah. in my writing, it comes through. Like I said, look at if you look at my Facebook post from yesterday, at one point, I just get so worked up that I write like a two page <laughs> response to somebody, you know, and it's it's a pretty, it's a pretty detailed um, reaction. So it's it's like I can write about it. There's no problem right. there. I can say what, how I feel about it. It's my point of view. And I don't and I know that, for example, there was one of my friends that came that said that made like a sad face when I started talking about it because she's super pro Israel. And and, you know, I, I've always known that all the, like 30 years I've known her and we we've never gotten into it because I, I just I love her and I just never wanted to like just to do that you know yeah but she just it made this sad face and i was and i just answered her and i was like fuck i knew that this i knew i was gonna <laughs> i never wanted to hurt you sweetheart you know well no these are the so, kinds of conversations i've been having on the show a lot too particularly with my american guests so i'm not i appreciate that you are articulating yourself and are out there the the latest record by you carla i, I just want people to know is called Quieter. It's out on C- uh, Constellation Records. People can go to cstrecords.com for more information. But as you said, I think we're going to go to a song that came Let out. Let me just say one 
thing about that record. Is that okay? Yes, of course. Sorry I interrupted you. No, go ahead. Uh, but I see that we're at the end. Um, it's important to know that the 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 main the main other main factor of that album is that every piece is a collaboration, and almost all of them are duos. Um, and there's a band that never got to put out our record called the Night Porter, mm-hmm. and they're on there. With, but the but the fact of it is is that the people I was also trying to do something where it was clear that the people that we collaborate with just because I'm, for example, the singer or the name that's at the top of the thing, those every, it takes everyone to make things beautiful. And I didn't even write all the yeah. words on it in this, in this case, like Freddie Rupert from uh, former ghosts wrote the whole song glass house and all the words and everything. And um, the same with Mark Rebo's piece, um, end of the world. He, he, gave me the words and the melody even that I sang, which that's like super rare and played the guitar. And it was just, that's the whole thing. Like all I did was sing. So it, it takes, what do, what do they say? It takes a village. It takes a village. Takes a village. Yeah. Village. There's, there's lots of amazing artists that uh, have joined you here on these pieces that span all sorts of uh, times and places. So I hope people check out this record quieter. Now you had suggested we might go out on a, a song from your 2011 record, In Animal Tongue, but do you want to go out on something from Quieter instead? What, what would you prefer? Well, it could be written in smoke. Like, that one is another one people really misunderstand. They're like, this is so sad. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's the happiest song I ever wrote. Like, how could it be sad that, that like, your name is written in smoke? In other words, like, it's like a skywriter and it's just, it's just like flying over your head, just writing your name and, even if it's even if it's just a dream and that's just a that's just a cloud, you've got a golden crown, you know. And it's it's just like I think it's just like the the happiest song, and everybody that listens to it is like, God, that's so sad and beautiful. <laughs> well, let's dispel it. Let's play it for them now. This so is- you can play that one. That's with Sarah Lipstate from Novella and me. It's a duo, and it's me like going crazy remixing it. Like that's that's one of my main. Uh, things that I do is I just go really crazy, like doing doing collage mixes on on my work and other people's work. So that that's an example of it. That one. Well, it's a it's a cool record and it's a it's a beautiful song. So this is written in smoke from uh, this record, Quieter. Carla, thank you so much for being on this show and best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Thank you. 
Thanks again to Carla Bozelich for appearing on this, the 418th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for on any of those platforms or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me at vishkana. Also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol and, and consider making a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. It could be any amount. It could be a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, thirty dollars, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. It could be anything that you can afford. Please, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Support the show as best you can. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support of the show. Thanks to my pal Jim Guthrie for his support of the show. We use his song, The Rest Is Yet To Come, to end the show each and every week. And you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, last but not least, thanks to you for listening both the, to this episode and this far into the episode. If you're hearing my voice, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, supporting this show by listening to it, subscribing to the podcast uh, reviewing and rating it pos- uh, positively, downloading episodes, all the things you do, tell you, telling your friends about it, it really means the world. So thank you very much. I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye for now. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.